chapter 8 and verse 32, you guys should probably know this one, right? It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you what? Free. Free. I always want to know free from what? And what is that truth? I always say it's such a strange verse because there's not a lot of context around it. Jesus just kind of says it. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We're really blessed because we're not slaves, are we? Do you think you're a slave? We're not slaves in the sense of the word that a lot of people out there are, right? But a lot of us are slaves to our mortgages. We're slaves to jobs we hate. We're slaves to addictions. We're slaves to lifestyles that have us around their little finger. We're slaves to societies telling us what to do and we're trying to fit in. But Jesus says here that they will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So is this just the truth, say, the truth that the world is round, not flat? Will that set you free? Have have any of you seen that movie Zeitgeist? I bet Wally has. It's a conspiracy movie. And in that conspiracy movie, they say the truth will set you free. They use the Bible text and then ironically, they tell you the Bible's not true. But they say that the truth will set you free. If you know that the government's in a conspiracy against you, if you know that there's all these things happening, you'll be free. Is that what the Bible's talking about though when it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free? Jesus also says, just a few chapters on, right? John 14, let's go there. You should know this one too. I'm sure you do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14 and verse 6. I'm so used to giving studies. I want to tell you to read it to me. All right. John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus said unto them, you can read this with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Hold your horses there with my pictures, guys. You'll get them excited and they'll know the story. Okay, so it says, I am the way, the what? The truth. Okay, so the first verse says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. And then Jesus goes on to say that I am the truth. How is a person the truth? I never understood that. How can a person be the truth? And how can that set you free? But as I've been studying, I've come to the conclusion that the answer to that question is found in the life of one of the most amazing characters in the Bible. And the reason why I think that they're one of the most amazing is because the Bible actually says that wherever the gospel would be preached, so wherever the good news about who God is, the good news of salvation, wherever it would be preached, this person's story would have to be told as well. Do you know who I'm talking about, right? Because I showed you the picture. Wherever this person, whatever the story of salvation would be told, this person's story would be told along with it. If it's in Africa, way back in, in the time of the Dark Ages, whether it's in America in the 1800s, whether it's now, somehow this person's story will resonate with the story of the good news of salvation. So we're going to go there and have a look at the story. It's in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew 26 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, you can put that picture up now. Thanks, Rob. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said to them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. Verse 12. For in that she has poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. 
Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman has done, shall be told for a memorial of her. Have you ever wondered why that was? Why would Jesus want the story of this broken box of perfume to be told wherever this gospel was told? And to answer that, we need to go back into the history of this woman. Now, when, if we look in the, all four gospels tell this story, by the way, which lets you know that it was important, right? That he wanted this to be told everywhere. And Luke makes it clear that this woman is Mary, right? Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. But when Mary first met Jesus, it wasn't in such a nice situation. Mary first met Jesus in probably one of the worst situations possible. She's dragged out of her bedroom, half-clothed, and thrown into a public place. Now, we in our 21st century, we like to PG-rate everything in the Bible, so we make the pictures nice, right? We make them so we can tell the story to the kids, and that's nice, and we should do that. But sometimes we lose the reality of it. This was not a nice time. She wasn't wearing a nice blue dress, right? She would be lucky you were wearing anything at all because she's just been caught right in the act of adultery. And she's been thrown out into the open. And not just in the open like on the street like this, but in the middle of the temple courtyard where all the pastors can see her. So I was thinking about the equivalent of this would be for us. Those of you who grew up Adventist, who's been to big camp? Okay, meeting. Can you imagine this happening to you and you're pulled out of a tent, half dressed and thrown into the main area where everyone is there? Now, all the Adventists you know, all the church people you know can see you. They know your past, they know your family, they know what you do for a living, they know everything about you, and now you've been exposed to them all. Awful, an awful way to be shamed. The worst part is, though, that she's, she's standing there and she's hiding behind, she's trying to cover herself, trying to just fall through the floor. But the worst bit is she knows that the, that the act of adultery is punishable in her culture by death, by stoning. And there's no getting out of it, right? She's been caught red-handed. And so she's, she's looking down at the ground, she's wishing that she could do anything but be there. And as she's looking at the ground, she hears Jesus, she hears a question, right? They say, so should we kill her or not? And when Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone, to her, that's, that's her death sentence. So she's standing there just, you know, trembling, waiting for the rocks to hit her, waiting for the first pain to hit. But as we know the story, it never happens. It never happens. The rocks never fall. And she, you know, dares to look up and then see one by one her accusers, the ones who want her blood, the ones who are her pastors, who are supposed to lead her to, to, to God. One by one, they're slinking away. And then she hears this rabbi, this famous rabbi say, neither do I condemn you. He was the one person who was without sin, right? He could have thrown the first stone, but he didn't throw a stone. He says, neither do I condemn you. Can you imagine the joy that must have flooded her heart? He doesn't condemn me. She knew she deserved it he doesn't condemn me and she throws herself down at his feet just sobbing oh you've saved me she's willing to do anything now for this man who has rescued her from death 
And she's sobbing out her sins and she's so sorry. But he says, neither do I condemn you. What a beautiful God. And then he says, go and sin no more. You see, first he loved her. First he showed her that he didn't condemn her. And then he gave her the power. The power flowed from him. Go, sin no more. But was that the end for Mary's struggle? Was that the end of it? She went home happily overcome over this big problem in her life? No. We're told seven times that she heard Jesus crying out to God on her behalf to get rid of the demons that were controlling her life. Seven times she fell back into the same sin, the same sinful lifestyle. But you know what's beautiful about it? You know what? When you feel guilty, because she would have felt guilty, right? When you feel guilty, do you want to go to Jesus? You don't feel like standing in front of the perfect God of the universe, right? But every time she fell, it drew her back to Jesus, back to her knees, back to his presence. And the reason for that is never at one point did he ever make her feel dirty. Not even in one word or one look. But she knew that he was God, right? She knew that all of her dirty, filthy sin was gross to him. But yet he never, ever made her feel like that. She never felt condemned. And so every time she sinned, she came back to Jesus, back to his presence. Because she knew that deep, deep down in his heart, he loved her stronger than anything else, stronger than the love of, of anyone on this world. He loved her deeply. And it was that love that gave her the power to overcome her sinful lifestyle. All right, and so guys, this is the key. If you forget everything else I've said today, this is the key. God, Jesus here, right, knew her intimately. He knew every dirty, black sin in her heart. He knew every thought she dwelt upon. He knew everything about her sinful life perfectly. But he loved her perfectly like she was the most beautiful creature in the universe. And that is what gave her the power to overcome. Mary began a beautiful new life because she realized that Jesus loved her just the way she was. You can imagine it, right? In our society today, everybody else would see her as the hopeless case. Right? She'd be the girl with the shortest skirt, with the highest heels and the most ridiculous makeup. Everyone else would look at her and go, she's got no hope. But Jesus saw straight through it. He went, no, I can see what she's going to be. I know what she's going to be because I'm going to live inside her. She's going to be something beautiful. And in fact, she didn't just become free. Mary became one of Jesus' most amazing and devoted disciples. Because you think about this, right? When Jesus is going to the crucifixion, who is there with him? Where are the disciples? They've done a runner, right? They're terrified. They've run. But Mary's there at the cross. When the body's being taken to the grave, Mary's gone along with it. On Sunday morning, who's first at the tomb? Mary. Right? And then she's the first to run back and tell everybody that he's risen. Yeah, because when it was, Mary was one of the most devoted disciples there was. In the lead up to his death, Jesus is saying, okay, guys, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. They're going to crucify me uh, three days. How many times does he say it? Over and over again, he's like, guys, I'm going to die. And the disciples are like, la, 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 la. We're going to be famous and we're going to be prime ministers and we're going to be in the kingdom. And they won't listen to what he's saying. But Mary actually heard it. She was like, he's going to die. 
And so she goes out and she buys that alabaster box of perfume, right? Because if he's going to die, he, she's still going to have everything that's her, right? How much did that box of perfume cost? Do any know? A year's wages. How much is a year's wages? How much do you make in a year? You want to tell me? 30,000, 40, 50, 60, right? Can you imagine spending 60 grand or 30 grand on a box of perfume? Right? Because she was going to tell Jesus, even if he was dying, even if he was dead, she was, he was going to have her everything. She was going to give him the absolute best that she had. But then the word on the street was that Jesus was going to be anointed king right then. And so she's like, well, I'll use this perfume to anoint him. Right? Overjoyed, she goes to see Jesus and she meets him at that feast. And at that feast, what we read about in the beginning, Martha was there. She's probably serving food, right? Lazarus is there. He's been raised from the dead. And Mary breaks that box and pours it on his head. And she pours it on his feet. And the whole room knows what she's done. And the people are looking at him and they're looking at Jesus saying, if he was a real prophet at all, he wouldn't know what kind of woman she is. And he would not be letting her touch him. Not even his feet. But Jesus loves it. Jesus looks over, he just goes, I don't care about your culture. (laughs) I don't care about what you think is appropriate. This woman loves me from the depths of her soul and she wants to show me that love. He loved it. And you know what? This is what I think is so amazing. It was only a couple of days later that Jesus went to the cross. Did you know that? It was a short period of time. Now, if someone just poured $60,000 worth of perfume on you, do you think it will last a little while? Yeah. So a couple of days later, a few days later, Jesus is in Gethsemane, right? And he's on the ground and he's like dying and he's alone and he's clutching the earth, wishing that he could hold it to keep getting further away from the Father and that separation and the pain. And he's totally alone, but he can still smell that smell, right? That memory of that act that she really loves him. And then he's hanging on the cross and he's alone again and he feels like, you know, he's being separated from God and it's, he's dying. And once again, that smell is still there lingering in his nose. And it's a memory attached to it, right? That it's worth it because one day in heaven, there's going to be people just like Mary who love him so much that they'd give him everything. And it's worth going through the pain. It's worth going through the cross. If you go to Hebrews 12 verse 2, Hebrews 12 verse 2, it tells us that I'll get there too with you. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Now Jesus could have stayed in heaven. There's plenty of joy there, right? So what was the joy that he experienced being on the cross? What was set before him? Right, the knowledge that there'll be people in heaven because of it, right? He's hanging there going, this is worth it because there'll be people just like Mary who gave me everything, who loved me from the depths of their soul. They're going to be in heaven because of this sacrifice. It's worth it. Why is Mary's story told along with the gospel? Because this is the kind of disciples that Jesus wants to have. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine something as raw and as real as breaking perfume in a room full of other people and pouring on the feet of Jesus and wiping it with your hair? It's so, it's not PG, it's not kosher, it's raw and it's real and she's just pouring it out how it is. 
That's the kind of people that Jesus wants to follow in. He doesn't want us to look like a box. He doesn't want us to fit into a set of uh, standards we've set for ourselves that we look like something. He doesn't want us to be normal. He wants us to be all out for him. And he wants us to love him from our very soul. Not from, well, I'd rather be in heaven than hell, right? Uh, I can't wait to get to heaven to walk in streets of gold and live for eternity. Won't that be great? Nah, Jesus doesn't want that kind of disciple when he saves you. We, start, we all start off like that, right? But he wants to get us to a point where we're in love with him. Does that sound weird? To be in love with Jesus? No, we need to be in love with him. He calls us his bride, right? And he's, he's the groom. He wants to have a relationship that's like a marriage. He wants us to be in love with him. He wants us to want to be in heaven because we just like him. We want to be in his presence. And that's the kind of person Mary was. Mary had really met Jesus, right? She just didn't go, well, look, I know he came from heaven and I know that he is eternal and I can tell you that he can do miracles and list off a bunch of stuff about Jesus. Mary didn't just do that. Mary, Mary knew him as a friend and she was his friend and she wanted nothing more than to sit in his presence. Why must her story be told? Because her story explains the truth. What was the truth? The truth that will set you free? Now listen, guys, this is really profound. You know what the good news is? This truth? It's that God is really, really good. That's the good news. And don't just brush that aside because that's, that is what it is. God is really, really good. He's not the God who sits up there waiting to torture you because you disagree with him. He's not the God who's a punisher who stands up there just going, I can't wait to enforce justice on that person. No. God is the one who sits up there and he can see every single disgusting black thought you've ever thought about. He knows the depths of your sin, every single detail, what you think about when no one's there, what you do when no one's watching. And yet he loves you perfectly. That is an amazing, amazing God. And that is the God that Mary knew. And that's why she would be drawn back to him every time she sinned. And that is why when it says, the truth shall set you free, it will. If you let the truth that God is that good sink into your heart, it will free you. It will free you. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're told that hanging upon the cross, Christ was the gospel. Have you seen this quote before? Hanging upon the cross, Christ was the gospel. You can look at him and go, that's it. That's the truth. That's what God is really like. He doesn't want, he doesn't want me dead. He doesn't want me in hell. He doesn't, want to, he doesn't want to punish me. He wants to put me in heaven. Wow. Let me give you an example in contrast of this truth that sets you free. Not quite yet, guys. Sorry about that slide. Maybe you've met children like this. Maybe you're one of them. When they grow up as little kids, they're always meant to, made to feel like they need to earn respect, that they need to earn love. Yeah, that, that when they reach some standard, then they'll be more lovable. But they try and try and try to fit into this standard, but they can never get there, right? Whereas if they'd been just showered in unconditional love, they would have, they would have grown into beautiful, beautiful, confident people. But they don't, they don't have that. And they feel like 
the next picture, please. They feel like like someone drowning, right? And there's you standing up there, like this light is coming through the darkness, and if only they can just swim to the surface, up there is that love that they've been looking for. They just got to get good enough to get up there. But you can't get there like that because love is the thing that teaches you to swim, right? Love is what gets you there. And so they, they keep going through this life, trying to get the best grades, trying to be the, the most successful in football. The girls are trying to have the sharpest tongue, be the most beautiful, get the most attention. Anything, right? So that they can just feel like they're worth something. Please make me worth something. I just want you to think about this. What would have happened if Jesus had said to Mary, you need to stop being such a tramp and then I can love you? Stop being such a tramp and then I can help you. Would she ever have been healed? Would she have ever overcome her life of sin? We never would have heard the story. She never would have broken that box. See, the only way that we grow, the only way that you can be healed from your sinful ways and sinful life is to know first that you're in the arms of love. And that God loves you just the way you are today. Lizka was going to bring her blueberry bush for me today and she forgot. I'm going to blame her. Next picture, please. Okay, this is Basil, but that'll do, okay? Just imagine that you have a blueberry bush. Okay, I have a blueberry bush in my hands. And I want blueberries, right? That's why I bought the blueberry bush. So I look at the blueberry bush and I say, grow and make blueberries. Grow, make blueberries. Is it going to make it work? Am I going to get blueberries like that? No. Nah. What do I need to do? I need to plant it, or I need to get it, have sunshine and rain. And if I do that long enough, what will happen? It'll grow, and, and I'll get blueberries. You got to have the right environment for growth, right? A blueberry plant needs sunshine and water. Children need love to grow. And you need to realize that Jesus loves you just the way you are today. Not the way you will be, the way you are today. In the depths of your dirtiness and your sinfulness and your hypocrisy and your legalism and your anger and your rebellion, that's how Jesus loves you. Right like that today. Do you ever look up sometimes, next slide, do you ever look up sometimes and you feel like this little kid? You're going, up there's this standard that God has set for me. And I'm not there. Yeah, and then the Bible says things like, um, if fornicators will not enter the kingdom of heaven, right? Fornicators will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then it says, if you've even thought about committing adultery, you've done it. Does it make you panic a little bit? Oh man, I am never going to make it to the surface. I'm going to keep on trying to swim. I'm going to keep on trying to get up there. Oh, you're never going to get there, guys. You're never going to get there. Stop trying to get to the surface. Go back to the beginning. Philippians 1 verse 6. What does Jesus say? What does God say? Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very thing. Confident that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who began the good work in you? Jesus. Jesus began it and who will complete it? Jesus, guys, if you feel like, if you can look, 
if sometimes you look at a standard and a list of things and you feel like you're never going to make it, maybe you miss meeting Jesus. Maybe you can give Bible studies about him and tell lots of stories about him, and, but maybe you never met him. Go back to the beginning. He who began a good work in you will complete it. That's the truth. The truth that will set you free. That Jesus loves you just the way you are, despite what you feel. Despite how lost you feel, that's how he loves you, just like that. The truth will set you free, right? It's not going to lump a burden on your back. It's not going to make you feel like you're never going to make it. It's going to make you push you toward the truth of Jesus. And the truth is a person. How is the truth a person? Because when we see Jesus on the cross, that's what God is really like. That's the truth. That God is not the one who wants to push you down, but he's a self-sacrificing lover of you just the way you are. And only in the warmth of his love, when you see that on Calvary, only there will you start to be willing to let him change you. Only there will you fall on your knees like Mary and help me. Remember that verse he says, and if I am I if I'm, I'm <laughs> and I if I am lifted up will draw all men unto me. So every morning, guys, when you when you open your Bible and you and you're studying about Jesus and his word, keep this picture in your mind, right? Because the truth that God is the one who will sacrifice himself because he's really, really good and he loves you just the way you are, that's what's gonna melt you, that's what's gonna change you. So when it starts to affect your heart, don't, don't turn away and go, oh, no, no, I don't want to get emotional about stuff, you know? I'm just going to move to the next verse. I'm just going to keep going. Let it affect you because God wants to get into your heart because he wants you to fall in love with him. It's not just a bunch of duties, all right? Enough, of, enough already of going, all right, I've got to do the Ten Commandments today. Check, 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 check. Yep, I should be good enough to get in by this afternoon. Yeah, God doesn't want disciples like that. He wants people who have had heart transplants, who are in love with him. I can't wait to be in his presence like Mary was. We need to accept the truth, right? And the truth will free us. This is my conclusion, okay? Mary fell in love with Jesus. Why? Because first she experienced his unconditional love. And then when she experienced that unconditional love, the power was from him to overcome her sin. But first, she fell in love with Jesus. And she realized the truth that God is really, really good. Okay? The same goes for us. Only by us experiencing the amazing love of Jesus will we ever fall in love with him. So keep that picture in your mind of Jesus on the cross. Only when we fall in love with him will we then be given the power from Jesus to overcome sin in our lives. That's the way it works. Don't get the cart before the horse. We've got to fall in love with Jesus and then he will change our lives. When we understand that God is really, really good, we'll be set free. That is the truth, the truth that will set you free. So this is my question. Will you accept the truth? Will you accept the truth today that God is really, really good and that he loves you no matter what you are doing right now? no matter how sinful you are right now, that he loves you just the way you are. Will you accept that today? Will you let it sink deep into your heart? Because if you do, it will free you. 
you'll be free. Don't you want to be free?